I'm Derek. And I'm Noah. And you're listening to A Bite Em. Where we take our favorite onion and peel it back one layer at a time. Ooh. Okay. Onions. <laughs> what if we weren't doing glass onion? <laughs> That'd be weird. Indeed. It was still weird. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So final episode of 2022. And what better way to send off this year yeah. than a murder mystery Sure, of Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery? <laughs> Let's follow the world's greatest detective, Benoit Blanc, <laughs> into 2023. <laughs> In the meantime, before we get to our next episodes, the first episodes of 2023, it's going to be weird. It, you know, whenever you start New Year's, it's always weird to get the year right. Oh, yeah. You write the year wrong incorrectly. Constantly. This last two years, I've been writing 2020 more than I thought. <laughs> it's just time stopped and still trying to process after that. It was a bad year. It was a bad year. But in the meantime, before we get those episodes out, you can still stay in contact with us. Do you know how you do that? Please tell me. <laughs> Follow us on all social media at A Bite of Pod, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Hive, all that great stuff. We actually also have a Discord. Lots of fun. Discuss books movies, all that great stuff. You talk to other people that listen to the show or just like all those other things. One second to last thing, subscribe. Leave us some stars. Leave a review if you want to. You don't have to. <laughs> It'd be great. Send out the new year with a little surprise and some stars. <laughs> and then last thing, if you like the show, support the show on Patreon, all that great stuff. Everything's down below in the description. Just peruse and click around. Join us wherever you feel comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I had to, it's the last one of the year. I had to get all that stuff out. Absolutely. It's part of the process. You have to do it. Uh, before we get into our major discussion, of course, we want to issue a spoiler alert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We will be spoiling this entire movie. Yeah. If you don't want any of these layers of this onion to be spoiled, go watch it. It's on <laughs> Netflix. And then come back. All right. Let us officially take a bite of Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery. Ooh. Yes. So even the rich have to stay in quarantine until mysterious <laughs> puzzle boxes arrive on their doorsteps. Miles Braun has invited his, quote, friends, Connecticut Governor Claire, fashionista socialite Bertie, Alpha Industries lead scientist Lionel, and dude bro streamer Duke to his private island in the Aegean Sea to attend a murder mystery party where he is the victim. <laughs> a fifth box is sent to former Alpha co-founder Andy's home, where she sits surrounded by cardboard boxes armed with a hammer. Southern sleuth Benoit Blanc joins the bunch as they head to play Miles's game, which he solves in an instant. Yep. Once there, an actual murder occurs. The lights go out and the plot thickens as Blanc has to figure out who took this weekend from make-believe to deadly real. <laughs> One of my favorite parts of our episodes is you doing this because you'll read this to me in your normal voice and then I'm always excited to see how you're gonna do it on the actual <laughs> I'm, episode. I'm selling it. I'm selling yeah. it. When we hit record, oh baby, <laughs> let's go. So... This is the second in the Knives Out mysteries. The first one was obviously Knives Out. When the movie was over, I love asking this question. When it was over, how did you feel? I felt like instinct was that was really fun. Mm. And I love when a movie turns out the way you want it in the sense that your favorites survive. The bad guy gets it. 
Uh, and there maybe will be a third. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we know there's a third. They're already making it. Success. Yeah. <laughs> we have to, in, in this episode, we'll kind of give who we want to be the cast in the mm, third mm, one, mm, mm, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, I agree. I think that every murder mystery that's not trying to be serious, like Gone Girl, that's, that's a murder mystery, technically. I like them to be fun. If you, if you think of like Clue, mm-hmm. that's fun. But it's also the... The point of it is trying to figure out how it all worked and why the who done it done it. And I love these movies for that. That's just the fun thing is just seeing how it all comes together. You kind of just almost have to turn your brain off yeah. once it gets to that first reveal because it's like, okay, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, and I think it's like very much the metaphor of the onion with these types of movies mm-hmm. of like you're there to watch them peel back the layers because you want to see oh that was a red herring oh this person didn't mean anything oh now we're getting to the middle it's exciting and then you find the center of the mystery and who did it yeah i liked how this movie started off with it was a little different from the the first one but it started off with a puzzle mm. to invite these people here and they were all super excited about it I like that we had no idea what was going on, why all these people, when you're seeing them do that, you know, three-way call or whatever, you're like, why are all these people, why do they know each other? Obviously, it comes to mind, the the dude is funding all of them, and that's how Mm. they're all friends. But that was fun, trying to figure out all this stuff and piece that little thing together. That puzzle box was too much for me. I'd be like, I would do exactly what Andy did, or Helen and just smash it open because this is too much. <laughs> no, I would have been there for the puzzles. And I was watching it going, would I have gotten it? I think the first thing, I definitely would have needed help with like the mystic eye portion of it to mm. find the button. But I once did a uh, escape room with friends. And I did it so quickly that the people who ran it couldn't believe how quickly we got out. So I like to think in a situation where there's a puzzle box, I'd be on fire. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not trapped in a room. So I think that you have more like the anxiety isn't all there. So like you might be able to do well, it pretty quick. Who knows? Maybe Miles is sending some sort of exploding box. Yeah. And if you flip the wrong tile, it's all over for you. Yeah. I the It seems like the structure of this movie, since we have two of them now, it seems like they have this way of doing it where... It, it it perfects the whodunit almost, the murder mystery, mm-hmm. and that the first reveal. So we are on this this glass onion compound, whatever, with all of our cast. And it's not exactly clear at this point in the movie what all of it means. We know there's gonna be a murder mystery, everything, but Blanc figures it out instantly. But when we see that, the first reveal being Duke being the one that dies. So the the murder mystery is figured out, but then Duke dies. And then that's when we start unraveling a little bit of this. But it goes in a bunch of different directions, which I really liked. We get the reveal that Andy actually is an Andy, and it's her twin sister, Helen. At first, I wasn't too sure how I felt about that. I was like, oh, okay, of course there's a twin sister. But they go back a little bit in the flashbacks to kind of explain the series of events to get them to where they are. And I really liked it. I thought it was emotional, but also really well done because it explained why Blanc acted weird. You know, there's a, there's almost this, um, what is it? This expectation of sequels where your character that was in the first one or whatever is in the second one. And they have to kind of make them different almost that they're like, 
they've grown or there's something different from the first one. And he did act weird. He acted almost too much of himself, like on a hundred. And it made sense because when they were planning to go there together, he was trying to keep the eye on him and not on Andy. So seeing, watching it that way and being like, that's weird. And then figuring that out, it's like, oh, that's really smart. It was really smart for them to do that, to make him play it up. And in the beginning, that was one of the things that sort of threw me off. And I was wondering if I was going to like it or not, because in in the first movie, he's just such a smooth character. Right. He's right? suave. Benoit Blanc, he kind of rolls in. He's got that Southern accent, that Southern drawl. And everybody's kind of just like, whoa, this guy knows what he's talking about. And in the beginning of this one, I mean, we see him in a sort of not Benoit Blanc situation, because this movie does start with everyone in quarantine. Oh, it so was it's too real. Yes, it started with a very... Yes, I did that in quarantine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's based in our reality. And so we kind of learn through conversations that Benoit Blanc is just sort of laying in a bathtub constantly. So you're kind of like, all right, quarantine takes us toll on everyone. But when he does get out, when he does get to the island, he's almost like a bumbling detective. Right. And he's like, oh, my, well, isn't that amazing? Whoa, that's impressive. And you're like, that is so not the character. Yeah. Like, why is he acting like that? But when it's uncovered that he was acting like that on purpose, it made me feel better. Right. Because I was like, oh, okay. Because there was they a point. They didn't just like write him as a goofball in the second one. It's like he was doing that on purpose to sort of throw everyone off that was on the island. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, we have Janelle Monet, and she plays two different characters. And when I saw her as Andy, I thought, again, this was weird. I've seen her act before, and I thought it was just a weird way. Like, did she forget how to act almost? But she was playing her sister, so she did act different. She didn't really, she acted how she thought her sister would have acted. And then when you find out it's actually Helen, it made sense again. It's just so, it's it's very attention to detail. They crafted it so well and so much fun in doing that and seeing those little pieces fit together. Because then once she's finally Helen herself, it's great. And I loved having two like country fried accents mm-hmm. in, <laughs> in the movie. It was great. I love that. It's It's funny because, you know, that whole thing of like, of course there's a twin. And of course the twin who died left volumes of very you know detailed detailed journals so she could learn every single thing about what happened between her and this group of friends and i think that was also something that was fun about this movie as well was learning how they all fit together in the beginning we see people having secret conversations we seeing people pulling each other off to the side so you don't you know things are going on but you don't know what specifically is going on and as far as an ensemble cast i mean they were just fantastic together oh yeah yeah, I liked seeing how, God, they did it in the first one as well. Once you get that reveal and then it kind of goes back and like explains or gives you those conversations that you didn't get to hear, it's really interesting to see like, oh, because of that conversation, this happened. Like when we see Andy, when she's Andy at this time, stumble down to her room, we didn't even know that three of the other characters went to talk to Andy mm-hmm. at that point. And we're like really questioning her. And also that she was extremely drunk on Jared Leto's, Jared Leto's kombucha. <laughs> yeah. So th- that was, that was really cool. I liked those scenes. It's just a fun way to tell the story. Um, it's very reminiscent of kind of some of like Agatha Christie's mm. works. It's the classic who done it, but done in a really great way. Yeah. It's nice when you as the audience, 
Vengeance, remember? It's like you're in the dark, but not fully in the dark. So you see these little details and you get to learn them later on. It's it's fun when you don't have to wait until the complete end to learn all right. the details. So right. where they're sort of figuring things out and being shown these things and going, oh gosh, I see. But then maybe there's another twist. Uh, so I think this movie did all that really well yeah it was great i think the um there was obviously like MacGuffins in there but i like that they also they threw red herrings in there as characters there was characters in there that were kind of red herrings almost you got daryl mm-hmm. the dude that literally just walked around the compound being like i'm not here he's played by noah segan which funny enough he was in the first knives out as the detective so i'm loving this noah segan Oh, you know line. he's going to be in the third one as well. He has to be. But like, you almost think that like, oh, this guy's going to see something. This guy is like part of something. He wasn't. He was literally just a stoned out dude just there. He needed to come <laughs> and work some stuff out. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious of how he knows Miles, but I guess- It doesn't we, matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to know. But then you also have the the Mona Lisa of it all. So the Mona Lisa made me laugh every se- like just every scene that it was kind of in- I liked the ironic ending with it, but you knew that that artwork that was the button to make it release, you just knew that it was going to play into it, but you didn't know how. Mm-hmm. Just like in Knives Out, you knew that wall of knives was going to play into it, but you didn't know how. So I think that the way that they can craft something where you know this is coming, but the exciting thing of like, oh, I didn't know, I didn't even think that it could happen that way. Is pretty great. And one of the things I enjoyed about the Mona Lisa as well was the protective case that the Mona Lisa was in. Exactly. So like that thing going up and Uh, down and up and down, it added to the tension of all of those scenes in that main room. And it just worked really well. I had my hands on my face. Like they did the just the music, the cinematography, the acting in that whole scene, the sound effect of that going up and down. I had my hands on my face being like something, somebody's going to die. Something's going to happen. What is happening? <laughs> I also like the idea of like Mona Lisa's smile and like Mona Lisa's secret. Yeah. You know, there's this big secret and it's almost like she knows everything that's going yeah. on. She's just watching them be fools the as fa- it all falls apart. Yeah. Um, well, that's great because they, oh, they were so good. Miles is a jackass. He is, he has nothing for himself. He wanted to do the thing first. He has nothing to his name. Not like the artists that make things like Mona Lisa, where it's always just going to be synonymous with it. His whole thing, he wanted to be known for something in the same breath as the Mona Lisa. The fact that he is now going to be known as the person that destroyed the Mona Lisa is just perfection. Poetic justice. It's so good. But <laughs> he's such an ass. He's, he's an idiot. I thought it was so funny that Blanc just got pissed. That he's like, wait, you're not a mastermind nor a villain. You're just an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> so good. He is the, I don't know. He's almost like the trust fund kid, right? Who runs? Not almost, the, he is. He well, I don't know. They never said if he was a trust fund mm. kid, but it's that same spirit of the 
you know, cis white dude who really did nothing to get where he is. Only everything was handed to him. Right. Well, he stole the idea from Andy. Right. He stole things. He was just incredibly charming and people went along. And then once you're basically have everyone in your financial pocket, you have control of everyone. Right. You know, but it's not too far from what actually happens, unfortunately. Absolutely. People with money have all the power, whether or not they are actually smart or good individuals. Right. I mean, we see it happen all the time. Mm -hmm. Boo. Boo, indeed. Um, and and then, of course, our characters are at his every whim mm-hmm. because they're afraid because he can ruin them yeah. at any moment in time. Yeah. So speaking of these other characters, I one thing that I want to point out is I loved Kate Hudson. Yeah. Because. Birdie J. I loved her because she's doing what she did 15 years ago, but it just seemed like Oh, what's the word? It just seemed like so much more comfortability in it. Like mm. she just like she owns that now almost. It's been so long since we really seen her do something like this. And it was just so flawless with her. It is funny because just going on what you said, it it does in a way feel like a more bizarro version of the character she played in Almost Famous. Yeah. You know, where like she's kind of just this beauty queen who mm-hmm. people love and follow around and listen to what she says. But in this version, you know, Bertie's an idiot. Yeah. And isn't allowed to be like have control of her own Twitter. She is a complete idiot and the same level as Miles. The revelation of her having to do the statement about the sweatshops. But the revelation when Peg finds out that she thought sweatshops are where sweatpants come from. She was like, great. I lost it. (laughs) It is so funny because you, it's one of those things where it's like, that is so funny, but it also makes sense. This person isn't a business person. They don't care to learn to grow. That's also why they're saying completely unbased, racist, just really terrible things online because they don't care mm-hmm. to learn and educate themselves. But that was hilarious. I thought that was just so funny. This movie is so funny. I didn't expect it to be as funny as it was. It was definitely funny. I actually wanted to get your opinion on what you thought of the character of Peg. Because mm. I was thinking of her in the sense of like, what did she bring to the story other than someone that just knew Birdie? Because I was like kind of wondering the conversations that Birdie has with Peg, could it happen between... Birdie and another one of our main characters. I don't think how I saw Peg at first, I thought it was going to be that cliche thing of the assistant that could be better and do more than the person that they're assisting. But towards the end, it almost just seemed like she's just as bad as her, that she is going to be the same way that Birdie is to Miles. Like she's just kind of waiting. It's like, she was more upset that she was going to be besmirched because she was... Her name would be tarnished. Yeah. Right. So I, I just kind of saw all of them as just collectively... Selfish. Selfish. In the end, they did almost come to their senses and was like, yeah, Miles is a jerk. But yeah. That, but I think that's also one of the... They threw more characters in there that I think had a purpose. They did what you would think that character would do. But to throw us off of who's murdering people, who's going to be murdered... So I think the more cast that was there, the more like your mind could be like, whoa, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Because we hear that conversation by the pool where they're like, just take the knife and do it tonight. So you think that she's in on something. So, yeah, I thought she was cool. 
I didn't mind her. Yeah, no, I didn't mind her either. I just thought, like, out of the cast of characters, she really played such a minor role. Right. Like, I even think Whiskey, uh, the, you know, Duke's girlfriend, uh, she played more of a role in sort of Duke's story and everything. I loved Helen just trying to, like, lift her up and be like, you do not, you are really smart. You don't need Duke. <laughs> I liked that part. That was nice. Yeah, Duke, the complete jackass who even while wearing his Speedo has a gun holstered to his waist. I hate everything about him. It was just, he's so stupid. <laughs> he really <laughs> Most is. of these people are so stupid. <laughs> Dave Bautista did a good job playing the character, though. So good. You know what I appreciated about his death? Is that they did a violent poisoning death without it being like visually violent almost like he almost put his whole acting chops in this movie into that death (laughs) but like he wasn't vomiting there wasn't blood you know but it was still super effective which i kind of appreciate i liked him i liked the table smash of him landing on the table and then it cracking yeah for some reason it felt very our lady of guadalupe to me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like Mary surrounded by stars and angels, oh, just the way he was God. framed by the table. Yeah, that the whole, the twists and turns of even his death was fantastic, that he wasn't actually poisoned. It was just his allergy. So good. I mean, that would happen to me if I got banana or papaya. I'm just putting that out there. Nobody bring me that. Send me that. Don't put it in Not my drink. Not even a banana <laughs> muffin. I don't want to be Duke. I don't want to no, go out like Duke. I don't want to be whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want do that but i think most of these characters did what they needed to do i thought the cast was fantastic i do feel like and i'm just gonna put this out there that katherine hahn was underutilized i was gonna say the same exact thing over everybody i she she i feel like i've seen that from her i liked it i enjoyed it don't get me wrong but I, I almost expected something well, or yeah, more. Of like if, if the character is sort of like frazzled mom governor, I In think they could, like could have gone further. I mean, even the Connecticut thing, right? So she wears beige all the time. Right? Yeah. So so she is what they sing about in the nanny theme song. Well, right. everybody else is wearing tan. But like even that wasn't amplified. Like she mm-hmm. wasn't snooty enough. She wasn't nervous enough she yeah i agree i felt like especially katherine hahn is just who's this amazing character actor who can do no wrong in my eyes not that she did wrong but i felt like the role could have been more especially when you have something like katherine there to play it to compare this one to the first one which i'm i don't think we'll do too much of but we almost have to because it's a sequel i do feel like the first one gave more time gave every character a chance to shine this one almost didn't. It seemed like most of the focus was on Helen, Andy, and Blanc, which I loved. I loved their chemistry. I thought it was off the charts. The buddy cop movie that we've all wanted. But they need to like, they they deserve all the praise for their, their roles in this. But even Miles kind of got a little more, which of course he's kind of the villain or the douchebag. But I did feel like a lot of these other characters just were kind of tropey almost and just base level of what that character is it was good which is weird to say but i expected it well i think the thing is is that the movie itself was incredibly entertaining yes right it the the way that they did everything was really fun like we said it was really funny but i do agree that in the first one i feel like it was more of a linear story, the first one, where, like you said, we got to know that family. We got to learn their history to see why they might be the ones who did it. This one starts off like 
I mean, basically, the first third of the movie is a red herring in itself. Right. Right? And then we spend the giant middle half of the movie going into the past. Right. And not even living with most of those characters. It's it's like you said, it's Blanc and, and Helen. So I thought, as far as the movie itself, the mystery wasn't really... Not that much time was spent on it. Well, I think that's... I agree. And I think that almost Blanc's frustration was part of that because in the end, when it all kind of did come to light, he's like, wait, you're just an idiot. Like you murdered Andy, but you did it because she had a thing that could take you down. Like, that's it. Like (laughs) that's the mystery. That's all it was. I did like the, the through line again of the two of them of envelopes. Because in the first one, the author had the envelope. In this one, there was also an envelope. I like these through lines. I'm liking, that's why I like James Bond. I like the car. I like the martinis. I like all that stuff. But I like that type of thing that goes through it. I thought it was effective. I think the mystery in the first one was like a grander, almost very twisty, turny mystery. And this one was more just trying to figure out why, like what is exactly happening. You know, I almost wonder if the fact that it took place on a compound, on an island, kept it so located to just that. Because of COVID. <laughs> well, that's maybe that's a good point. But in the first one, it starts in the mansion, right. but they do leave the mansion. And right. they try and reach other people, and they find more people murdered. And so they were able to sort of spread out a little more with as far as where they were going and who they yeah. were talking to. I agree. Yeah. I think uh, the they feel completely different. But you can tell the same people made it, which I'm liking almost. I did. I do miss the the kind of cozy cardigan murder mystery. You know, the it's invoking Clue a little bit. It just seems like very fall <laughs> almost like in the first one. But that's I, I think that's the really the only thing I miss between the two, aside from each character getting their moment to shine. I do have to say that. The cardigans in the first one were great, but I also thought the costume designs in this one were oh, fantastic. So good. Benoit Blanc's <laughs> summer resort realness, <laughs> handkerchiefs abound, was just my favorite. I think my favorite. Well, I'm, I'm tied. I don't uh, know if I like his arrival outfit best, the baggy linen pants mm-hmm. with the white with the blue button down, or I actually think my favorite is the blue and white stripes summer set with the yellow handkerchief. Yeah, that's fantastic. I love when you first see him in that, he goes to the pool and he like puts his hands in his pocket and he's just like, I don't know anybody here. This is great. <laughs> I also love the idea of when he finally does go into the pool, he goes fully in the outfit. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Daniel Craig, like, you know, shown became like exploded onto the scene as 007 in the tiniest little ice blue speedo. Oh yeah. You know as, what I mean? As blue as his eyes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ice. Yeah. Ice blue. Uh but in this he's like fully in a shirt and short set in the water. Like he's too busy staking everybody out. He's he doesn't have time to change and throw him off the case. Take your shirt off. Give him give him a little show. I wanted to take a moment to talk about the cameos in this movie. So good. Because not only was there so many of them, but every single one made so much sense and I love it. And it's just adding the extra thing of, I can't wait into the third one to see who the cameo is going to be. My favorite 
I'll, I'll start with our favorite and then we'll name the other ones. Okay. I have two favorites. I have Serena Williams. So hilarious. I freaked out when it turned out it was like one of those mirror workouts and yes. she was there the whole time reading a book. <laughs> I thought it was a picture. And she was like, y'all, are, are you guys going to work out at any point? That was so funny. She it's, said, it's your money. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> what a job. Like, you just have to... <laughs> Wait for some rich billionaire yeah. to be like, I want to work out, Serena. But I can catch up on my TBR pile. I love it. It's great. My second one is Joseph Gordon Lovett as the hourly dong. It's so- That's my favorite Easter egg. Like, why? Well, I did read that. So um, the writer and director, is it Rian or Ryan? Rian. John. Rain. Rain? Johnson. Uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in all of his movies. Yeah. It's so, his life's mission to be in all of his movies. And so this is how he was in this <laughs> yeah. one. Just literally going, dong. This is so good. <laughs> it was hilarious. I mean, we do get, um, in the beginning, we have a slew of cameos. A quad. A quad of cameos on a Zoom call while Benoit is playing Among Us in the bathtub with it his makes- team complete sense he's not able to solve mysteries so he's gonna find out who's among us (laughs) and apparently he hates clue and he hates among us as well well he's terrible at both of them well luckily he's good at real life mysteries (laughs) and not those sorts so we're joined by angela lansbury r.i.p steven sondheim r.i.p (laughs) kareem abdul jabbar and of course rounding out the quartet (laughs) natasha leone you know what's so crazy about this is that i would a hundred percent expect Benoit Blanc to be talking to these people. I just like, as soon as I saw it with the shock of them actually being themselves and on it, I'm like, yeah, this kind of makes sense, especially how they were talking to him. I'm like, why not murder? She wrote, of course, that's who he's talking to. Absolutely. (laughs) Russian doll. Russian doll. Yeah. (laughs) Kareem Abdul-Jabbar maybe was like in a Scooby-Doo episode back in the day. (laughs) Stephen Sondheim. I mean, as a writer. Himself. Yeah, <laughs> come on. So that makes sense. But we're we're not done. We got like three more. Heck yeah. <laughs> One of the craziest ones, and it made Derek so upset, Ethan Hawke. <laughs> I will forever be traumatized by <laughs> Arthur from Moon Knight. Arthur Haro. <laughs> Anytime I see Ethan Hawke now, I'm like, oh, you, not Ethan Hawke. You know what's hilarious is that he wanted to be in the movie. And he got in the movie because he was in the same area filming Moon Knight. Get out of town. That's why he just came on down and administered a COVID-19 vaccination or cure. Yeah. (laughs) Freaking mouth shots. Like freaking. Oh, my gosh. What was Banaka? Remember Banaka? (laughs) So fresh. All right. And then we got rounding this out. Yo-Yo Ma. Yo-Yo Ma. Why not? You know, Yo-Yo Ma is one of those people that whenever he pops up in something, you're always like, oh, it's Yo-Yo Ma. Yeah. You're always so excited to see him. What has he done? <laughs> Aside from this, though, in a while. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, playing music for amazing oh, no, causes. No, no. But... It's just, it's so funny that I have not met somebody that doesn't know who they are. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just one of those things where it's like, everybody's going to know who Yo-Yo Ma is for playing that cello. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm always happy to see him yes. surprise me in something. Yeah. <laughs> okay, now wrapping up the cameo list. I'm pretty sure. If we forgot any, comment below. I just also wanted to put out there, we have one of our OG, very amazing listeners, Def Steph. 
that she said, I don't know where to comment below. I always want to comment below. <laughs> Literally anywhere. Especially Discord. I think that's the easiest place to do it. Yeah. Any of the 20 social media platforms that Noah named yeah. at the beginning. Absolutely. But Discord, you're right. We have a, a, in the Discord channel, there's a podcast chat. So you can just go in there and talk, whatever. Do what you want. Comment below wherever you want. You could do it on your own and we will never see it. We'll find you. Yeah. But the last one. Which is sort of a reveal. It's, it is a reveal. It's more of a confirmation, ah. I feel like. So Hugh Grant is none other than Benoit Blanc's beau. <laughs> we, they're partners of some His living boo. Right. But it was such a quarantine flashback with that sourdough the starter. sourdough starter. That took me there. Yeah. I mean, we were doing, we didn't, we never did sourdough starter, you and I, but we yeast. did do, we did, we bought a whole bunch of yeast that we never used, which is a shame. Don't say that. We, we, were, we had all of these big plants to bake bread. And then we were like, how do you bake bread? Uh, we did bake bread recently. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Two years later. Uh, but, and then also just like, we also did the Dalgona coffee. Remember we did that a lot? Great. But yeah, him answering the door with that mason jar full of sourdough starter. It just was like, I remember that living it in that mayhem. It's so good. I was pleasantly surprised. Of course, it's Hugh Grant. I don't know who else it would be. But Hugh Grant just seems like the perfect type for Blanc. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I did he? What accent did he have? Because they're both British actors, but Benoit Blanc is a Southern character. Was he American? Probably. I have no idea. I love that. I love these two sort of like, you know, somewhat UK heartthrobs coming together as the couple in this. To be Americans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's Blanc is so American. It's really funny when you think... <laughs> you think about it, he's like I, I have the answer to the police and the justice system it's like this is odd you know it's that, the opposite of james bond totally totally and it was i felt like in the first one just speaking about asking like answering to the justice and like there were those detectives in the first right one. this one blanc was really on his own he didn't have to answer to anyone he didn't but i think he he didn't cross that line he's very much like batman in that right where he's like i'm just you know i really can't It'd be easy, but I can't. He kind of does in this one when he hands the clear to her and he's like, you just blow it up. I'm like, I won't say anything. Wink. <laughs> but do it. Mm -hmm. But yeah. I really hope Hugh Grant. I don't know his name. Did he have a name? He probably did have a name and I, I don't really know. But Jeremy. Okay, Jeremy. I, no, hope... I made that up. Okay. Well, I hope Jeremy and Blanc <laughs> are in the third one. And it would be amazing if the murder or mystery or whatever starts with them. Oh. You know what I mean? Like they kind of like ushered in almost because how are you going to keep introducing these big casts and then like Blanc going to be somehow put around? I mean, he's a detective, a world renowned detective. They could always call him, but I think it'd be nice. Like give me more gay Blanc. That's what exactly. <laughs> don't, don't be like, yeah, he's gay. Look, Oh, Philip, by the way, was, was his name. Ah, uh, okay. Don't, don't give me. I like me Jeremy. Jeremy, bear me. Yeah. Don't give me Philip. And then not actually see them live out a life on screen. Yeah, I do like that. The gay of it all. Don't just, queer bait me. Right. But I do like that they didn't need to explain anything. I love that. It didn't. You didn't know in the first one. Because why would it matter? Also, he's like the lead detective. It, it shouldn't come up. But what's amazing is that he has these he befriends the 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 show stealing you know young woman and both of them and it's just like a 
great platonic working relationship and it was refreshing to see and then you also see it's like oh he's gay or bisexual or whatever he is mm. but it didn't need any explanation it was, Absolutely. it was nice i very as a gay man i uh, appreciated that yeah and you know just kudos to janelle monet who Ugh. just carried a lot of this film and did such a fantastic job she doing died so. like four times in this movie oh my gosh and <laughs> you know at one point you know, when we see Helen get shot in the chest on the island, I was like, I'm like, this poor family lost both of these girls. Yeah. And it's so sad. You know, I almost, I was like, I know Johnson is trying to say stuff with this movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's no way he's going to like kill the main like black lead right? in this, right? I mean, he, or again, I mean, he did once in the movie and then like but he didn't do it again which very much appreciated that i we forgot a cameo and it's only in a name but jeremy renner's hot sauce oh my gosh of course <laughs> save the day save the day but you knew you almost knew that the Jared kombucha the hard kombucha sorry and the jeremy renner hot sauce you knew again that those were going to come back but you didn't know how and it's one of those things where you almost like I don't know what's the right word that you you kind of shock yourself and like, yeah, I knew it was going to that was going to be something. It's cool. It wasn't just a thing of them to say flippantly and us to go like, what? Which it was. (laughs) They both came back as part of the story, which is, you know, satisfying as a viewer. I do. You know, the fact that uh, Helen, I almost called her Andy. Helen was (laughs) either one was such a great sidekick and even throughout this movie blanc is going to her you're really good at this you're really good at this. even drunk yes <laughs> i want in the third one this isn't my this isn't my fantasy cast but i just thought of this now i want anna de armas to come back oh my god and i want janelle monet to come back and yes. i want them to team up in some way with blanc to solve the next mystery double watson yes with the sherlock i love yes. it i would love that i did i was hoping a little bit in me to be like not an end credit scene but like a like Helen was going to kind of help him a little bit, or he was going to take her under his wing or take her under his wing. I almost hope that just a little bit. I'm like, Oh, are we getting like a different kind of Sherlock and Watson? I'm a huge Sherlock Holmes fan. So I just want more of that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that would be fantastic. I would, I would really love that. Or do you think that these female characters are almost like a new version of the bond girl where they come, they help, him solve the mystery but that's it just for that one movie and then we get a new one yeah i I think that's what it is honestly and it's refreshing it's great i don't need i love james bond you know this but i don't need it you know it's like one of those things that that's for that property we don't need that cliche Mm -hmm. (laughs) in this one the ensemble cast can play all the cliches they want but i think block kind of being the through line through this i don't think he needs to be that much of a cliche i appreciate it yeah, I like that. Agreed. All right. So to round out this review slash discussion slash us obviously just loving Glass Onion and everything that comes from it, I can't wait for the third one. I th- It's a new thing that I'm very excited to because I didn't know there would be a second one. And when there was like, there's a second one. Fantastic. So we wanted to cast who we would like to see in Knives Out 3. I picked a few. I don't know how many you picked. But it could really, honestly, the cast could be as long as it, as long as you want. True. (laughs) True. So I'll let you start. Okay. So what I've done is that I have created not only a fantasy cast, but I have created the fantasy um, 
situation. situation. Oh, come on. So what it is is <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> so, so what it is? You were that kid is, in the group. What never over excelled. <laughs> Maybe they just have some good ideas. Um, so what it is is that it's some sort of family retreat, and so ben, with Philip, yeah. And so Benoit Blanc. and Philip go to this retreat. The whole thing is that Philip wants Benoit to stop making everything a mystery, so he Aww. wants to just be able to go on this thing for them to be together. Mm-hmm. Now there are some other families there who have some turbulent things going on. Uh-huh. A murder occurs, and they're all suspects. A murder occurs. A murderer. The rural juror. Yeah, the rural. So our families are made of our one family is oh. Kate Blanchett yeah. and Elliot Page. <gasps> yes. Right? Sold. Okay. Our next family, which is, you know, Michelle Yo. Yes. And Simu Liu. Oh, yes. And then our last family is Angela Bassett, <laughs> Maya Rudolph, and Zendaya. Yeah. This is so good. Right? I, lo- <laughs> I love it. I like that. Oh, that's good. I don't have a... I, I just pick people I like. <laughs> I do have like... Okay, okay. Yeah, okay, go, 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 go. I want to okay. hear yours. Okay. Did I, we cross over in any? No, actually, oh, which interesting. is very interesting. In movies, yes, but not as characters, mm-hmm. which I think is amazing. So first one, and I only have this because... The Sherlock thing, the Mission Impossible thing, the James Bond of it all, Henry Cavill. I feel like it would be a good, intimidating, like physical almost rival to him. I don't know. An adversary. And I just like want to give Henry Cavill more work because of Superman. There are some things going on with that guy. (laughs) And then one of my all-time favorite, Gwendolyn Christie. Oh, yeah. Amazing. And she can do no wrong. Beautiful. Benedict Wong, because Ooh, Wongers. <laughs> we're in the Wong verse. And I just, I love this guy. And I think he would be so good. He could do almost any type of role in this. And I would love it. Dan Levy, because I wanted to put some LGBTQ representation. What a good one. And I feel like having Dan Levy and some of these characters interact, because Dan Levy, he can act. I don't want to say he can't act, but he typically plays like a certain, like he's almost typecasted a little bit as himself. And I just kind of see that in this and interacting with Blanc. And I mean, it could definitely be a, a David type character exactly. in these situations. Yep. Then I have Florence Pugh because <gasps> oh, I'm just trying to get like one. such good acting into this. What a good one. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Wow. Because I love these actors so much. Mm-hmm. I just want like these amazing because that, it seems like that's almost what he does when he chooses the cast, like these powerhouse actors and then putting them in really interesting situations or funny situations i have tim curry which i feel like so these are my two people that i feel like would get murdered and this is almost calling back to the first one but tim curry could either be like almost a narrator type situation or the person that gets murdered or jeff goldblum being the one that gets murdered See, I have to be honest. I always worry about Jeff Goldblum because he tends to eclipse everyone around him. I, but that's why he gets murdered. Oh, that's good. You're and he's right. very eclectic. Get him out early. <laughs> have you seen his sneaker situation? Like, who knows what's going to go on? But that that's who I would cast. That's that. really fun. I, I really w- just picked a lot of my favorite actors and was like, I want to see him together. <laughs> I want to steal Benedict Wong <gasps> Yay. and Florence Pugh for mine. Okay. You cool. can have them. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
All right. So obviously we really loved this. It was so much fun to watch. I love that this is our last episode of the year because it just kind of rounds it out and it's it's fun. It was nice to talk about. We didn't have to be critical of it, really. Ethan Hawke was in it, which really ties it back to another property. I think that Edward Norton being just a jackass and Ethan Hawke being in it was just really the only downsides of this movie (laughs) because everything else was great. But if you have a cast that you, or if you agree with some of ours, let us know. Comment below. I'm really curious. And let's get Mr. Johnson to know Derek's pitch. And then hopefully Derek can write the third one. These rich families who are all connected in some way. But so would it be, so what's the setting though? Is it like like a mountain? Mountain. It's a ski lodge. cabin (gasps) retreat. Ski lodge. Oh my gosh. What was that horrible, like old ski movie that we watched? Where there was like an avalanche and like people went flying through windows. It's probably called Avalanche. It was probably called Avalanche. I think it was. Oh my God, it was so bad. (laughs) Just put it in the Stanley Hotel though. Well, let's let's see. So the the first one was cozy winter. This one was super summer. I really think it's a fall mountain retreat. Mm. Let's do all the seasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we have to have spring at some point. Yeah. That could be a cottage. Mm. (laughs) On a farm? (laughs) Oh, no. No, animals. I can't have animals near this. Oh, you know, there's going to be something about poop. (laughs) Duty. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, okay. One last thing, and I'll just say this. Mm -hmm. I loved that the jokes in this movie, because you just made a joke. I love that the jokes weren't, they weren't like said and then be like, you get it. You get it. They were just like done and they moved on. So it's like, if you didn't get it, you didn't get it. Or if you did get it, it kind of paid off. So I just I just wanted to that's my last critique on this. I liked the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Mystery okay, jokes perfection. Yeah. <laughs> loved it. Loved them. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel Craig. Great. <laughs> Bring him back again. Can't wait to see those ice blue eyes solve another case. <laughs> All right. So this is us toasting our Jared Leto hard kombucha and hope that you have a great 2023 and thank you. Thank for you listening. as always. <laughs> Happy New Year. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening to A Bite Of, artwork and editing by our own Noah. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at A Bite Of Pod and on Facebook at A Bite Of. If you have any questions, recommendations, or just want to say hi, you can contact us on abiteofpod.com. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review to spread the word. See you next time on A Bite Of. Bye. Thank you.